Thanks for tuning in to the 168 Podcast, a podcast from Mitchell Knight and Jordan Bird of the Clarence Church of Christ, aimed at helping you connect Sunday worship with everyday life. Welcome everybody to the 168 Podcast, and today we're going to be looking at the topic of post-Christian, and what is that all about? We're not going to go into like the nth degree of detail about this topic, but we felt like it was worth talking about and giving perspective on just because it's a term that comes up more often. And I know I've even used it in messages on Sunday. And so this is just a place where that can get fleshed out a little bit more and, and give, and we can hopefully give some better understanding to that term at least. And we'll also just give our perspective on what we think of it and kind of where we see that going in culture, how it's affecting us and how we move forward with it, something like that. Um, so that's kind of the trajectory of the rest of the episode. And so first, let's just talk about the term in general, post-Christian, and what that term means. Do you want to take a first stab at this or you want me to? Yeah, I could. Um, I think like looking at the course of history, especially with the United States, but I mean, even before that, I think the world's largest influential religion was Christianity in the sense that everything was kind of under its umbrella where it's like, this is, this is the truth. This is, this is how we approach God. It's through Jesus Christ. And then at some point, probably after, you know, the enlightenment era, it was more of like this pluralistic idea of, well, you know, there's all these different kinds of ways you can get to heaven. And then even if you don't believe in anything or, if you live your life in a certain way, you can eventually end up in heaven like anybody else. But, you know, I, there seems to be like, for me, post-Christian means going from like this exclusivity to inclusivity where we kind of welcome all ideas. um, Nothing's controversial. Everything should be included and we should celebrate everything. Whereas under, you know, the canon of scripture, there's a very clear marker for how life should be lived, who God is, and how he's revealed himself to us. So I think that's pretty much everything I wanted to cover on that. I hope that made sense. But yeah, I would just say that. I'd say um, more going from one way to, you know, I'm the way, I can do whatever I want kind of pluralism. Yeah, so... The term in general, like post-Christian, is talking about, you already alluded to this, but it's like post-Christian thinking being at the center of everything, if you will. But the term post is implying that it's after that has been a dominant. So it's not dominant anymore is essentially what the term is trying to get at. Or it's it's something that has come after it being dominant. At least that's the way I've, I've kind of understood it. And probably historically the best way to look at this is just to think about when was there a time in history where Christian thinking wasn't at the center of kind of the broader world and how humanity thought through life and that kind of stuff? And at least in the Western world or the Western perspective of, of life, it, at least more of the tradition we kind of come out of or the heritage, if you will, that we, we come out of, we don't, you know, we're not in Asia, we're not in like a more Eastern thinking perspective of life that's just not what we were raised in it doesn't mean that it still can apply there but the western mindset has definitely impacted more of how we view the world than than an eastern one and if you go back in the western mindset like 
go really you can see this even tie into the biblical times where you have pre-Jesus or around the time of Jesus and you have the Roman world that or any other sort of culture that was dominant at that time and it was their religious beliefs or their philosophical beliefs that were dominant because whoever was in charge got to say who who and how and what of how you viewed the world essentially and so you didn't cross that and so you fell in line with it or most people did or they got converted to it or they were killed off so that the dominant amount of people were the ones still doing that and that changes somewhere along the line once you have the church getting up and going post jesus ascending and the church starting to become what what it is on earth more like today at least what we have like kind of an axe in the bible in the new testament and then like the early church and it's not until like i think it's the 300s where you have constantine's usually the person referenced here but um, the emperor constantine is around his time no matter what you do with him it's around that time that there's a change in perspective to the church or Christian thinking. And in general, it seems like the church has now a stakeholder, it becomes a stakeholder in the government at that time or the world power at that time to where it eventually blossoms into like you have popes being like rulers and uh, church leaders being like rulers to where they actually are the ones now in dominance and are directing the way that people think about the world and all that kind of stuff. And so that's really where that kind of changes. And probably from then, at least in, in our context in the United States, until, I mean, there's a variety of places you could say where this starts to drop off. But I would say probably within my lifetime, it's probably been accelerated more over my lifetime than, say, like my parents' lifetime. Um, probably, what, in the last 20 years is probably, I would say, where that has really become a more dominant thing. The, the other marker is to look at like in places like Europe where the church used to be dominant and isn't dominant anymore. And the obvious physical way of seeing this is you can see a bunch of church buildings everywhere that are historical artifacts and they're tourist attractions, but there's not a functioning body of people that meet there for worship or in a lot of them or they're very small at, at best. And so that's like an indicator of what a post-Christian society can look like because now no longer is Christian thinking at the center. It's now sort of on the fringes. It's, it's something of the past. It's historical. That's why people still look at it and view it, but it's not at the center of how people are processing life. And so in the United States, we're going through this shift, it seems, where the church is no longer at the center. It's no longer the authority that people look to for how to process life or what to think, what to believe, how to make sense of things. It's now seemingly being pushed more to the margins of society or it's becoming a minority view or one of many other views of how you can look at life. So that's, that's kind of the broad overview, at least of my understanding of, of post-Christian. So it's at least hinting at, Christian thinking's dominance in our culture is waning or has waned enough to where there's something else taking its place. So we're on the backside, if you will, of Christian thinking being dominant. So that, that's one way I would explain it in a very long roundabout way. Uh, but there's a lot of just kind of nuances, I think, that, that contribute to it. Do you want to add anything more, just having heard what I had to say or maybe some other thoughts came up? Yeah, I think when we were talking before we started recording, the idea of like authority 
is kind of a big one. So like we talked about inclusivity, exclusivity, like the the quote unquote domination or of Christian thought in society um, being a thing. It more transitioned to this idea of subjectivity, like what what life means to me is just as valuable as what life means to Jordan. Um, but beforehand we were kind of looking at God as the authority kind of in this, you know, for lack of a better term, cause I don't know everyone's hearts or everyone's postures under w- the, the, the domination of Christian thought, but like a more humble people knowing that God has revealed to them what they know. And we're kind of called to follow after him. I don't know. I think maybe with like my own undergraduate training and philosophy, like looking at the whole subjective thing, like whatever something means to me is just as truthful as whatever something means to someone else that, I mean, you kind of get laughed at in philosophy if you hold that view, because there's a lot of logical hurdles that you need to cross. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost kind of like, where's meaning derived from does it come from us or does it come from somebody else and it seems like it's moved more towards you know i create it and i manifest this but at the same time like i was interested to hear what you thought about i i feel like this post-christian idea or this post-christian society we live in it's always funny to me like i feel like how many conversations i've had with people that are so confident that it's just in the lifestyle you live or it's just whatever you believe or there are multiple ways to heaven or anything like that. But then as soon as you bring up Jesus, um, you know, as the way to the Father or something like that, I've had many conversations with people who are like, oh, no, I'm pretty sure God hates me. It's like, well, so it's like (laughs) on one hand, you're confident that you can access life after death. But on the other hand, you're also sure that the universal God I'm telling you about hates you. It's like, well, which one of these things is it? Like, that shouldn't matter to you if you really believe this stuff. So it just kind of seems like a short-term mindset for short-term gain. Um, And I think the big reason it continues to persist is because no one's challenged on it. And then also, I mean, maybe that's where apologetics is helpful because sometimes we don't know how to challenge people on that in a polite and loving way. We're kind of stuck or we hear something we're not ready ready for, you know, or something like that. So kind of a jarble mess there, but yeah, the the point about where what is the authority? Is that what you said like, yeah, you know, like where do you find your what's the authority of what is right and wrong, what is how to view the world, that kind of thing. In grad school, I had a professor who would talk about um he always used the term and anyone who's from like a Roman Catholic background or knows of some of the language associated with the Roman Catholic culture of, of how the church functions knows the term magisterium and how the magisterium is essentially the official and authoritative teaching of the Roman Catholic church. So it's the difference between like a church leader giving their opinion, but then like what, you know, Pope Francis says that it's, or if it's like in the, I can't remember if it's like in, a, in, in an encyclical or like an official writing, then it becomes more of an authoritative and official thing. And so then it becomes the standard by which a Roman Catholic is supposed to live in relation to whatever the thing that he wrote about or said. And 
but the point is is that the the pope or his you know that 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 writing or that that statement is the authority like that's the magisterium and so his point in saying like everybody has a magisterium that's that's basically what he was saying and the light bulb did go on for me of like oh yeah like I ever his his whole point was you we all have the person we think is the authority on whatever it may be like who is who gives the final word or who do you tend to go to for like yeah that's that's affirming what I think about this or I trust what they have to say about this thing and we can go back just within the last two years with all the COVID stuff right like everybody had their person if you will who they thought was authoritative about COVID stuff and it's very true. I think about how we have come to approach life. Like we all have an authority, whether we agree what it is, we all have an authority that we turn to. It may even be ourselves if we're that prideful or um, boastful about it, but it could be Jesus is the authority. It could be the Bible is the authority. It could be, you know, there's a, for Christians, I mean, there's sort of a, a grouping of things we kind of mash together, if you will, that sort of reveal what that authority is for us. It's, it's God's word. It's the Bible, but it's ultimately pointing as a witness to Jesus life. So it's a person. So it's, it's all those things combined and it's us discerning it as a group of people, God's spirit working in through us. Like that's the authority in, in, in a, in a more well-rounded way. But again, like we also have authorities that we are tempted to look at for a lot of other, you know, in a lot of other ways. And like, pleasure could just be the authority like whatever gives me pleasure like that's the path i'm going to pursue like if it doesn't then i'm not going to do it and we may not like think through that whole process in a moment but but that does take place for i think most people and the the shifting that has changed is that it, there there was a time or it has been a time where the christian way of thinking was the more or less accepted form of authority and you can even see this in terms like um, America was a Christian nation or the Judeo Christian values of America, or, you know, the 10 commandments are listed here or there in the country or in various like leadership areas or courts or whatever it may be. And those things do point to, there was a, an overall view that yes, this is an authority that we should pay attention to, whether it was like fully adhered to, it was at least recognized as like a more supreme authority than just whoever's opinion down the road. And they, you know, tacked it up. Like not everybody was thinking that was the authority, but everybody was more or less looking to like, this is worth following or adhering to, to have the culture that we want to have. And the thing that has changed is that that no longer is like the overall or dominant perspective of a lot of people. Instead it's, it's on the margins or it's considered history or, you know, ancient or something like that now, because not everybody sees it that way. And that's not me approving or disapproving that's just an observation of that seems to be the way things are approached nowadays and i mean social media has done nothing but exasperate this is now you have a gazillion versions of authority or things you could you know people can look to and and that's part of the i think anxiety that we all feel it's like well where do i where do i find what it what is the what is the answer because you have so many more options of what you could cling or hang your life on or how you look at the world. Yeah. Whereas before it was like easy. It's like, Nope, that's it. It's that part. What that person said, what, what that group says, that's, that's the thing. There was no other, there weren't many other options. That was it. I mean, maybe a somewhat contemporary version of this is, I mean, I think 
my understanding of like Islam is, is somewhat like this. Like there's, I mean, there's still like versions even in, in that religion, but in a lot of ways it's like, it's this way or it's not like you either do it or you don't like there, there's no just like guessing around it. Like you're either with it or you're not. And I think Christian or following Jesus calls us to do the same thing, but we live in a culture where that has shifted for it to not be the dominant thing. And so I don't know that, that those are some of the things that I see, at least with the, I think where we look for authority or what is our authority is one thing that has definitely shifted and changed. And it's, it's become very plural. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of them. And so that's, that's definitely one thing. You have any more thoughts on that? Well, I think um, maybe on a more positive spin on it, like the post-Christian society that I ended up starting to, you know, learn more about Jesus in happened because the people who lived their lives with the authority of me, which is basically saying that I know the best way on every topic of life to pursue things, their lives from my perspective in college were a disaster. I mean, like nothing was going right. And then the people or the kids around my age that were seeking after Christ led a markedly different life and had a very different mindset that made that more attractive. Now, were they perfect? No. Um, But there was a filling of a lack in their lives. Like they, they had a reliance on something greater than themselves that allowed them to live life in a different way from the people around them. And that is what made it attractive. I mean, I mean, Jesus talks about knowing people by their fruits. I mean, that's an example of that. And I feel like one positive of this is that the more, you know, rare that kind of fruit is to come across, the more nourishing it can be when we actually do find it. So, I mean, that was a positive experience for me is just to see how, you know, how much better, at least from my earthly perspective, someone's life in Christ was going as opposed to someone who was like, well, I'm just the authority. I'm going to decide to do whatever I want. And it's like, I mean, there are several examples of people that I close relationships with where just nothing was, was working. And, you know, looking back on it, it was just because of a lot of very poor decisions, you know, made in the name of, I can do this, which didn't really amount to much. (laughs) So, yeah. So maybe we can shift to kind of wrap up here to how do we see this change affecting us going forward or how do, how do we maybe see it going into the future? And not that like we can predict that, but just like, what are some, some things we see or, things we think could maybe be potentially how we as followers of Jesus ride the wave that's happening now, if you will, or engage the change that's happening now and still be faithful to Jesus in the process. Um, you want to start or you want me to start? Yeah. I mean, so from like my own example of what made learning about Jesus more attractive and being the fruit of the lives of other people, I think one thing that we can do to positively affect that change is to, you know, live, you know, do the deal, (laughs) live the life for Jesus that we're called to live a life worthy of the calling we've received to set an example based on our actual life and the fruit we're bearing. And then the other thing, I mean, I don't think we should be afraid to challenge people 
on ideology or philosophy when things are brought up. I mean, in a polite way, in a humble way, in a loving way. I mean, we have the Holy Spirit. We have his intercession. We have everything that we need to participate in the conversation like that. Um, I mean, if someone says, oh, well, I think there are multiple different ways to heaven. It's like, well, why do you think that? It's like, have you considered this? Have you looked into this? Have you followed what you're thinking to its logical conclusion? Like, I mean, we can have conversations like that all the time, and it's not being mean or anything like that, but it, having those conversations with people that they might not normally have, it might cause them to question things. Like, I've never heard someone disagree with that before because this this whole idea of post-Christendom is like this homogenized thought that it's whatever I think and whatever I believe. And when someone comes along and says, well, what if that's not right? Out of you're one out of a hundred people that say that to them, that could get them thinking about the nature of reality and how they approach their life. So I think that's those are a couple ways of approaching how to, you know, how we can make a positive change. So like word and deed, basically. Yeah, I've noticed in my own life, and maybe this is a I'm bridging the two dynamics here. I mean, I feel like I earlier in my experience of life there was still more of a, I lived on the more dominant side of where church was still sort of respected in society. And, and maybe it's more where I grew up. It was more in the Midwest. It was in a small town. Like some of the cultural dynamics that we maybe see more common today weren't, hadn't made, made their, made their way there yet. Um, and so there was a general assumption that a lot of people went to church on Sunday, even Wednesday was sort somewhat respected as like a day to like reserve for church activities. And I would say that's definitely probably changed now. Um, it's definitely different than where I live now for sure. Um, but I also have am living now where like there isn't just this like ever you can assume most people see things the way I see it as a follower of Jesus. And I, I feel like even from my own experience of processing life and trying to make sense of, things I adhere to or think about life that maybe need still challenged the having a, a point that someone sees things differently and presented in a way that's like, what if, or have you considered, or is it possible? Usually when it's phrased that way, I don't know, maybe it's just me, maybe it's everybody, but it has a way of opening my imagination to considering it opposed to just like, well, no, it's this way. I don't know. I, I partly, I think it's more of an invitation to like, can you envision life differently than how you're seeing it now? But it's not me just telling you it's different. Yeah. And so, but there's the compare and contrast again of like, what's the authority here? So even in my own mind for that particular point, and it may even, it may not be deciding between like something just totally pagan or, or Christian, but just like a perspective of like, how I see God at work in my life or me relating to God. I mean, it could be something relating to that, but just like I've maybe been hard hearted in this one way, but someone phrasing it that way has opened my mind to think about it differently to be like, Oh, maybe I need to open my heart more to God in that way. And I maybe wouldn't have probably done it. Had they just been like, no, you need to do it this way. (laughs) And it's like, but if I'm invited in to consider it, it seems like there, there's a different, one, there's a different approach Two, I feel like it's, 
it's also contextualized to realize that we don't live in this like black and light black and white world of like it's just right or wrong or this is the truth this isn't the truth this is the authority this isn't the authority that kind of a thing so i've just noticed that in my own life for sure um but i do agree that like that approach probably will needs to become more common of how followers of jesus approach conversations in general with people of you can it doesn't mean you have to give on your beliefs. Like you can be staunch on that, but do it in a posture that's not just like beat them over the head with it. Or yeah. maybe you don't think you beat them over the head, but just the the the, RD, the mentality of like, no, this is right, or this is right, but working with them to help them consider a different way. Like we have to become almost like, you know, painters of the imagination to some degree to help people see things a little bit differently. And so I definitely see that being part of how we navigate a post-Christian society for sure. And then one other thing I was thinking about was just like the pros and cons of like the, this, the shift happening. Like on one hand, there are some goods, I good, good, good. There is some good, I think that comes from this and that um, I was, there's a devotional like prayer thing that I've, I've been reading through this year. And it basically gives the story of someone who's followed Jesus in their life throughout different points in history. And, um, I don't know if it was like a week or so ago, um, Soren Kierkegaard, or there's various ways people pronounce his last name, but his, his story came up. And one of the hallmarks of, of his life is that he pursued Jesus in a more uh, personal and specific way than a lot of the people in his culture in Denmark did. And the reason he stood out was because in Denmark it was such a like Christianized nation or Lutheran, if you will, that like once you were born, you were just considered to be part of the church already. Like there was no like you deciding or you putting any effort into being a part of the church or the body of Christ. And he, and Kierkegaard was basically saying like, no, like that it can't just, it's not just like that. Like you're just in it. And so there can be the, the, the downside, if you will, of, everybody's just sort of inherently in it or like that's the dominant view, whether you actually are convinced of it or not, because it gives you this false sense of like, well, I'm included in it. Even though you've never actually like had to wrestle through, like, is this true? Is this not true? Do I, does my life united to it or not united to it? And so the good that can come out of that is that you have people who are really far more sure on what they actually believe in following Jesus or the, the convictions that they see presented in scripture and whatnot. And so that, that can be a good thing. And so you don't have like a watered down person following Jesus essentially. Um, but the downside is also that it comes with, it's not just so easy to navigate culture at the same time. So there's good and there's bad, but I do think there's things that the shift can do to mature, mature the church, um, in 2022 specifically. I don't know if you have anything to say to the kind of pro and con part, because that's something that kind of popped up when we were talking about this earlier. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's it's another opportunity for a farmer to look at a ripe harvest field. I mean, there's a lot of work to be done. It's something that we should be encouraged to do. And yeah, just to kind of touch on some things you said, I'm, the whole idea of like, what's the authority? If we just kind of approach conversations like that, like, no, it needs to be like this. We're kind of setting ourselves up to be the authority in that person's life. And we used to call that in Fredonia frying pan ministry. And the only result of frying pan ministry or beating someone over the head is a concussion. I mean, it does more harm than good. Um, and kind of the idea of critical thinking, the operative word is critical. 
I mean, if your thinking goes unchallenged, I mean, that's very dangerous. So when someone gently invites someone else to consider different possibilities, I don't know. I feel like we deal with that in even this post-Christian culture where it's just like, no, it's like this, it's like this. Like even between people that are, you know, in the secular realm, they just kind of argue like that. Whereas we have this great opportunity to gently invite people into following after Christ or to gently invite them to consider alternate possibilities rather than just kind of participating in the vitriol or the aggravated speech that people get into nowadays. So, I mean, for me, that's encouraging that there's a ripe harvest field and we have a unique way and opportunity to um, participate in that. So thanks for listening to this episode of the 168 Podcast and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.